live from new york it's a special edition of ask an engineer friday 8 p.m circuit python day engineer it's the snakiest <laughs> day august yeah. 18th there's yeah. multiple snakes in there uh we're celebrating circuit python day a company paid holiday but also it's a paid day off for everyone at adafruit today in addition to this day-long celebration that we have online uh we've done some physical things in the past maybe we'll do a physical event at some point but today was a bunch of video chats and more that you can see at any time but there was a bunch of live oh, stuff going on. Yeah. All right, we got a kick-in show. We still got all the stuff normally that we cover, like new products and videos, and it's not. Yeah, we're gonna do a regular show. And guys, but we all have a little bit of a Circuit Python theme. Yeah, we got some Circuit Python stuff. Be like, on. oh, the flavor of Blinka, it, you know. Yeah. Well, the intro had a, a, a had Blinka overseeing the Pi Portal. Yeah. Um, creation. Yeah, that we have a data for it, so that was good. All right, well, let's yeah. kick it. Let's see what's what's up today. On well, this special edition. tonight's show. Don't forget it's Circuit Python Day, so there's a code Circuit Pi Day. You can use it. Um, I'm supposed to say, you know, use it before midnight tonight. However, use it or lose it. However, what does I'm letting this go over the weekend. So if you just can't get to it, it's okay. Uh, we have a lot of Circuit Python there, boards. There's stuff. a lot. Yeah, sometimes people see these shows and then. On the weekend is when they do their purchasing of things and uh, they put it in the cart. So this will work over the weekend. So, you know, CircPy Day, 10% off the native fruit store for anything we have in stock. Um, we'll talk about some of our live shows, including Show and Tell, which we just did. We got some Desk of Lady Ada, which we just uh, did on Sunday. Um, so we're going to have another one this Sunday, but we do Desk of Lady Ada, including Great Search. Um, JP's part of Pick of the Week and JP's workshop. That was during the week. I'm uh, going to do some time travel, some news around the web and more. Uh, a little bit of recap of what we did today. We have some New York City factory footage, some 3D printing. We have Ion MPI this week. It's 3M. Those are brought to you by DigiKey. Thank you, DigiKey. Top secret. That's where we have a bunch of CircuitPython related stuff. If you like displays, stick around. We've got a bunch. We have some new products. We're going to answer your questions. We do that on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord, all on this very special Ask an Engineer Circuit Python Day edition. Okay, so in addition to that um, discount code, Lady Ada, our freebies are now updated. You oh, promised, man. You promised, and you you, I know. you delivered. I did. Sorry. To the promise made, promise delivered. It took a couple extra weeks, but it's worth it. First off, we had to wait till we, we enabled UPS to have the UPS free shipping. But yeah. we also have a new freebie. So... Um, if you uh, have plenty of uh, Perma Protos and you're like, I want something different, we now have these beautiful gold uh, coat uh, PCB um, coasters, and they come with bumpers as well. So don't worry, you know, won't scratch up your um, table. Uh, we use these here at uh, House of Ladyada. You can also get some. And here's the good thing about coasters: if you have four coasters or six coasters, you're not like, man, I have too many coasters. You're like, I have exactly yeah. the right number. So $99 or more, you'll get one of these beautiful PCB coasters with bumpers. $149 or more, we still have the KB2040. Um, so you can take this board and turn it into a CircuitPython project or MicroPython or Arduino. It's got an RP2040 and all sorts of extra cool peripherals. And it's Pro Micro Pinout compatible. So it's a, a great upgrade from an 8-bit micro. Back, UPS, ground shipping in the continent of the United States for orders $200 or more. You wanted it. You missed it. Yeah. Now have UPS re-enabled. So we've got it. 
Yeah. So let me do a little bit of um, break it down. I'm gonna. Yeah. We'll we'll tell you. We'll tell you the. Uh, well, actually, why don't you do the last freebie and then we'll okay. talk about UPS. All right. And then we still have Circuit Playground Expresses in stock. So two ninety nine or more. Get a free Circuit Playground Express, our favorite all-in-one development board that's perfect for use with all sorts of programming languages, code.org, CS Discoveries, MakeCode, Arduino, CircuitPython, MicroPython, tons of built-ins, uh, lots of really great freebies. I'm glad that we're, the quadfecta is back. Yeah. So right. use a code, get the free stuff. Um, and you know, your- Discounts. Your, yeah, your discount and your uh, purchase supports, I think one of the biggest open source projects for education and hardware um, pays our staff and more, so we don't have any loans, no venture capital. We don't do ads, any of that stuff. It's just how your purchases uh, get used is how we make this thing go. So, anyways, um, UPS. So there was going to be a UPS strike, and we had consolidated a bunch of our shipping on UPS for almost the last ten years because we got pretty good rates. And uh, we also have Postal. We also have DHL for International. And as it was looming, because it looks like it was really going to happen, uh, we said, well, let's make sure we have an option for our customers in case it does. So we have FedEx. And FedEx came in with pretty competitive rates. Um, we, you know, no dunk on FedEx. We like FedEx. Um, but then we had the chance to negotiate. So here's when I would normally put on, like, here's the maker biz hat section of the show. But I'll just go over this for maybe people who are in business. So in the past, we've told UPS, we're like, hey, we know that there's better rates out there with FedEx if we were to switch. Um, but we're going to be straight up with you. We don't like to negotiate unless we're really going to follow through on the thing. And the thing is, we're going to leave or please match the rates. So we never said, hey, match the rates or else, because we weren't willing to leave. We liked UPS. We liked all the things that they, they were doing. Um, but we weren't. We In negotiation, I guess it doesn't matter if you, you lie or not. Um, for some entities, um, but we weren't willing to walk because we didn't have FedEx in place, but we did. And for the folks who are wondering, well, what did you do this time? We're like, well, we can, we can stick with FedEx. We actually don't need to go back to UPS. So we said to UPS, like, really like to go back to you. We can flip the switch and now we're back, but we, it, can you at least match the rates that FedEx gave us? Um, cause they really want our business. It's a million dollars a year in, in, um, shipping and we just do a pass through. So, and we were very chill. Um, we're an easy customer. Um, this is like cash money for whatever carrier. And um, we seem to be shipping more each year too. Then we do Adabox. There's a lot of stuff that we have going for us. Um, I also think we're a pretty good company. Uh, so they matched the rates and even made it better. So for the first time in a really long time, our UPS rates are even better than we've had for a while. And we passed through the shipping costs. So it yeah. benefits you. So it's, it's better for y'all. Um, you have now lower um, shipping uh, rates, and it means that you can order more stuff. It means you can order uh, more stuff and play, pay lower shipping. Shipping's everything's expensive. Shipping's expensive no matter what you do. Um, but we have really good rates that are competitive with, I think, even some of the like larger entities out there. I'll always say it, if you're going to buy a resistor, buy that from like DigiKey. But if you're buying anything else, like Adafruit stuff, you can get it from DigiKey, that's fine. But also from Adafruit, because we have really good rates, especially UPS Ground. So that's the story. And I guess for the maker biz portion of this, if you're going to negotiate, we're known for, if we're, at the nego if we're negotiating, it's because we have another option and we want to give the, the chance for the party to match or do better. Uh, we don't like playing the game where it's like, 
okay, we're going to go really, 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 really. And then you're not. Um, we really like to have something, an alternative, if we're going to negotiate that's comparable. So that worked out. That is our story about yes. Okay. Adafruit Live series of shows. We do these every single week, all the time. Um, we just did this show and tell. Um, we had Anne on who did this really neat Star Trek uh, little uh, touchpad device, PCB art. JP did a very neat robotics project that, like, very quickly, like, showing, like, a puppetry, almost, like, yeah. mirroring of, of what you're doing on a joystick, old-school joystick. It's so, funny, it's like, the, I mean, we always say the Imagineer in a box. It's like, the stuff yeah, used to be really hard. We wanted to do, it's, I know Disney has their own problems now, <laughs> um, but, you know, for a while, we're like, wouldn't it be cool if Disney had a way for young people to, um, there's a lot of, apparently a lot of people go to Disney. It's like, I want to build stuff like that. I want to do, you know, I want to be an Imagineer and do animatronics. I thought it'd be cool to have like an animatronic in a box where you would learn how to make all this stuff. So I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think Disney's like interested in like talking about streaming stuff or whatever. They always seem to be embroiled in something. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get a chance to talk to the Imagineers, but, uh, that's okay. Uh, you can check out the Circuit Python stuff that JP was showing off, and very easily control like a puppet um, with a joystick, a uh, you know a servo, and you can do all that with Circuit Python really fast. And then Scott showed off a really neat um, music synth. It was funny because it's normally JP's doing the music and Scott's doing the, the other stuff. Um, and then we had Seth who showed off uh, this FPGA with Circuit Python. Really yeah, it's programming an FPGA yeah. from CircuitPython, so downloading the midstream. Yeah. yeah, very easily. It's kind of cool. So that was kind of neat. Um, so do check out the CircuitPython edition show and tell. You can check out some of the projects that uh, the team showed off. And if I forget everyone, sorry, um, we'll be back next week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time for show and tell. And uh, special thanks to everyone who worked on the programming today. And Kenny helped organize it. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, JP, Scott, everyone who did streams. We also have um, a thing that we do at 10 p.m. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your engineers are? Sometimes. And this is, uh, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your engineer is? This is kind of a a new weird video thing that we're doing live. Yeah, so what happens is um, we noticed engineers they have free time and they make stuff at like 10 o'clock at night and it's like hey it's 10 p.m do you know where your engineers are because usually what they're working on is the next cool thing it's not work related or anything it's what they're working on so we i thought what i would do is like 10 p.m you know we put our kid to sleep um sometimes or she's hanging out with us and uh lady eight is doing some engineering so we we have some um it's not a one minute video it's a little bit longer usually and it's just like yeah, a snapshot of what you're doing. So what did you show at the last one? Um, okay, so I showed off that I have a Docker file. Uh, like I said, I was, kept working on the Linux um, build for ESP32-S3. And, uh, you know, like last time I did the video, I was like, I didn't quite get it working because, well, I mean, I did eventually get it working, but I tried compiling it under various linux e operating systems and didn't succeed and then i was like you know what this is a great opportunity to learn or relearn how to make a docker file and use docker uh and, and I, thought, I thought it would be good because a lot of electrical engineers are often get stuck with this like i have to run some weird ass tool or some weird cross compiler 
and I'm under Windows or I'm under Mac and like I can't do the cross compilation for some reason or like there's some yak shaving that has to be done. Um, a Docker file is a really easy way to have a miniature, fast, um, virtual computer uh, container that you can install the tool chain on and then you don't have to worry about Python 3.11 versus 3.9 and curses versus G and curses versus C make versus C make two versus like all the 15 billion ways that your tool chain can get messed up. Um, you can have this beautiful crystalline gem of a computer that has all your tool chain. And actually it was only like 20 minutes to compile um, the uh, uh, Linux build root and kernel. And um, then you can transfer the file off the Docker to your home computer and burn it. And then we're going to also write up a guide for it. Okay, um, so stay tuned for more. Um, these are completely random. It, it really is. If something's going on 10 o'clock and on, you just turn on the camera. It's totally just like, and what you working on? Most of the time, it's kind of putting Linux on stuff. Um, Linux we, on stuff. So we have the desk Lady on Sunday. Um, last week, it was a long time ago. So this was in two parts. I think you showed some of the same stuff. Yeah, this was just the more in-depth. I actually show how to make a Docker file, how to use Docker, how to log into it, um, some of the settings, and then... Uh, doing the cross compilation, moving the files off and burning it. So it's like I did the five minute version and then I kind of used that to do the 20, 20 minute version. But um, a lot of people uh, said that the stream was really good because they're like, I actually learned how to use Docker um, and how to make a Docker file. So check it out. It's free software. So you can do it at home. We do the great search. That's related to help you find things on digikey.com. Lydia, what was a great search this week? Um, Okay, so this week uh, we were talking about the ESP32 S3 Metro because we were saw Linux on it, and um, somebody asked, "What is that connector on there?" It's a SWD connector. Well, it's not a SWD; it's a JTAG connector. And so I wanted to show um, some of the boards that we make have a spot for this connector, but it's not soldered in. Or you want to add this connector to your ARM Cortex-based boards or a board that has JTAG, but you don't want the big ass two by ten. Uh, connector. These little uh, 0.05 inch pitch 2x5 connectors are very cute. And uh, there's a lot of different varieties of shrouded versions available. Um, I go through um, the varieties available at DigiKey. They're all, tons of them are in stock and they're only like 50 cents or so. Uh, so perfect to add to make it very easy for people to do um, breakpoint debugging, trace debugging on your dev board. Um, I, you know, I try to always have, on the metros at least, I try to always have a debug for available and it's helpful for circuit Python development, Arduino development, um, or just you know IDF, ESP development. You want low level access. Okay, okay. And then um, JP's product of the week we do every week. JP's workshop. I wanted to play a little uh, highlight from one of the things that JP's working on. It's a neat little music thing. We'll talk about that in the uh, guide section tonight. Fridays, we usually do a deep dive. Scott just did one for Circuit Python Day, good timing. Um, and uh, sometimes Tim does a deep dive. So let's do some time for a little bit of a recap. Python Day, and we'll 
get to some of the new products on MPI, I think we're gonna have time for everything. We have a bunch of top secret too. So for time travel, um, one of the things that we've been doing this week, art. this week, well, it's not art. Um, yes, I mean, it maybe is. it's art. <laughs> art is not normally associated with electronic engineering. You get, you get in trouble for that at school. Um, and turns out it is. Since I've been proving them wrong. Yeah. Um, so we do a PCB of the day. So Lady Eight has been cranking through so many designs that we have enough to show every day. It's like, here's a new PCB design. And then some of this stuff is just um, really fun to just toss in like a kaleidoscope or like sometimes like, oh, this would be like neat, a neat pattern on clothing. Um, so you can see some of the the daily, um, we post these across social media. Um, we have lots of different uh, examples of the PCB. If it's a product that's currently out, you could check it out. And then you get to see um, what it looks like uh, as we panelize it or when we're getting it ready to go. Um, and then some of them are super weird, uh, like this USB-C thing you did. We'll talk about that in Top Secret. And then there's just like previews of stuff, of new products and more. So any any social media format that's out there, pretty much, we put it up every morning and it's whatever PCB Lady Ada did like the previous day or pretty close to, and you can see some of the news. I do the, I do the night shift. So the night shift. in the morning, uh, yeah. Mr. Lady Ada wakes up and it's like, instead of donuts or fresh bread, it's a circuit board rendering. Yeah. Um, all right. And then a little bit of recap. Today was Circuit Python Day. Uh, we do this every year. This is a, there wasn't a, a holiday in August. So we made one up um, for our team. So this is a paid day off for our team at Adafruit. And it's also a worldwide celebration of all the things going on in the world of CircuitPython. So today, um, if you want to catch up on what videos there are, um, we kicked it off in the morning. It was CircuitPython Day Introduction with John Park. There was a special 3D Hangout with Pedro, Noe, and Liz. Um, they did favorite projects, uh, and then Liz talked about some coding and some 3D printing. We did beeps and boops with Synthio, a CircuitPython Day panel discussion hosted by Paul. Um, this had, I think, Todd Vaughn and some other folks. It was really neat. There was the CircuitPython Day Game Jam with Foamy Guy, Tim. There was the Matrix Portal message board with Maker Melissa. There was a CircuitPython Day chat with Jeff Dan Hatney. Then there was a special edition of JP's workshop. There was a deep dive with Scott. We just did the show and tell, and now we're doing Ask an Engineer. So there's a bunch going on um with circuit python and this is a pretty good way to get a recap we're also doing this every single like circuit circuit python day is kind of every week we have our community meeting every monday we have all the videos that we do throughout the week so there's a lot um we also have our newsletter uh and put together the latest one this one of course we were talking about circuit python day but there's a bunch of stuff in addition to um what we were doing uh, if you want to see a neat interview with noe and liz you check that out on hackster um there's a neat handheld uh, Linux device uh, can probably run Python on that. And then uh, Hackaday has a couple of neat things. And then this was uh, PyScript. I didn't know Intel was involved with this. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't, but that's neat. That makes sense, right? That's so if you want to run Intel, is it? Yeah. So if you He's want, often. yeah. So if you want to, <laughs> if you want to run Python native in your browser, um, you can check this out. There's a uh, talk Python um, video chat and more, which is really neat. Um, I think that will probably eventually all work together in some way, like running Python in the browser, talking to Python on hardware, Python, 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 Python. 
Um, so check out the newsletter. This is our weekly celebration of all things Python, from MicroPython to Python on Linux to CircuitPython to even some other. Sometimes we toss in other um, like scripting languages for microcontrollers because we like to keep an eye on that. Um, but this is where you can see the latest library updates and more, all in the newsletter delivered to you every single week. If your daily is a site that we do, we do that because it's not connected to your store account in any way. It's a completely separate site, which means we don't spam you. We hate going to a website and buying stuff and then you get spam forever. So we wanted to make Lame. super duper clear. Your store account is not connected to the newsletters. So, um, you know, yeah. that's how we do it. Okay. Open source hardware. We do it. But, you know, there's a bunch of guides this week. What is new on the big board? Many circuit Python themed. Um, okay, so we have a new guy. We saw that video of the ambient sound machine by JP. This is an all uh, circuit Python build that's running on the RT1011, which is a super fast Cortex M7 chip. And I kind of just said, hey, JP, how many WAV files can you play simultaneously? Um, not an easy thing to do. Uh, to play audio files all at the same time, uh, polyphonic play. And he was like, I don't know, we'll find out. Uh, so we found out it's at least 10. <laughs> uh, so he made uh, this box. It's it's based off of, it's inspired by this art project. Um, I don't remember the name of the person who originally did the project, but it's in, it's in the guide. Uh, and they made an ambient box that had, you know, like birds chirping and like ocean waves. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a fun project to make a little ambient uh, audio playing box. So, um, you know, JP satisfied my curiosity about uh, polyphonic sound and also built something out of Ikea drawers. A very nice project build. Uh, Knowing Pedro built a project for themselves. It's an overhead camera ring. They're constantly making things that require overhead camera shots. Why not 3D print brackets to make a cool overhead rig using 8020? So check that out. It's an easy build uh, and uh, good for anybody doing photography or build documentation. And then Liz did a guide for the PC joystick to Seesaw adapter. Uh, as you saw, JP made this cool little robot with it. And then we had a couple other guide updates. Okay, we're gonna do some factory footage and then 3D printing, and we're gonna roll all the way through to INMPI. See you on the other side. Here is some factory footage.
Okay, time for a couple 3D printing videos. See you on the other side. You can build an overhead camera rig using 2020 extrusion, some hardware, and 3D printed parts. This modular system lets you mount a camera for getting overhead shots. We think it's perfect for documenting projects. The framing is made from 2020 aluminum extrusion and it uses T-plates and corner braces to secure everything together. We designed and 3D printed cross connections that allow you to adjust the overall length and height of the system. Because it's modular, you can use it to hold up photography backdrops for getting glamour shots. Just add some spring clamps and a 3D printed adapter to hold up a backdrop, poster board, or fabric. To find out how to build your own, check out the guide at learn.adafruit.com. We designed the system to be expandable so you can create your own mounting plates and adapters for attaching all sorts of equipment. Whether you're using it as an overhead camera rig or backdrop holder for photography, we hope this inspires you to create your own system. And before we go to INMPI, buy some CircPi Day. Make sure um, you put C-I-R-C Pi Day. I saw someone saying, Pi saw Day. someone saying the code didn't work. They tried CircPi Day on accident, but it's CircPi Day, and I think they're fine. Yeah. Now, okay, let's uh, kick it. INMPI. Hi, INMPI. MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Thank you, DigiKey. This week it is 3M, Lady Ada. What is Ion MPI this week? Okay, I love 3M stuff because, of course, uh, it's everywhere. American company, uh, Minnesota Mining Corporation, uh, and, but now officially 3M. Uh, and they make uh, really good quality tools and products. Even if we ne don't necessarily buy electronic components from them, you're going to use their stuff. So this week, um, I was really psyched to see that DigiKey is highlighting VHB tape from 3M, which might be familiar to you, This that red overlay plastic. Uh, if you've done um, electronics or assembly or um, manufacturing, that looks really familiar. VHB tape, very high bond tape, is uh, apparently it's been around since the 1980s. It was invented um, at 3M and they have very, they have a wide variety of different types and shapes sizes so just because it's called vhb tape doesn't mean they're all the same there are a couple 
um, variations to it and DigiKey stocks all the different types. And so I thought it's a good time to like kind of cover this product and then you can go over DigiKey and buy a reel or a sheet. Um, so VHB tape, I think, you know, was originally designed to replace rivets in like architectural or automotive applications where you're, you have a panel and you want to attach a panel onto um, a frame uh, substrate, like up there, up a right, you know, uh, for an automotive trailer. You have these panels that you may want to remove and adjust eventually, but um, riveting is actually going to be, um, uh, is going to give you a, like a rackety, like TikTok sound because the rivets eventually get loose and the whole thing rattles. Whereas if you bond it with VHD, VHB tape, um, it's going to be a nice, uh, strong bond. Uh, and then it was used for architectural uses. So you see in the mid left there, I think that's um, the MIT uh, Computer Science Building. That's any kind of funky uh, style building with these panels um, over it, um, architectural panels. Those can also be VHB bonded on. And then, you know, for white goods, you see a washing machine um, and also for, uh, you know, the signage um, that's also really common. But now it's also really used often for electronics. Uh, if you are attaching screens or panels or you want to, you know, have a battery on one side uh, bonded onto an enclosure, um, you know, I got, uh, I remember I got um, uh, a cable holder and it had VHB tape and that's how you would attach it onto your um, uh, desk. And, you know, it's been 10 years and it's it's still there, even though like I bump into it almost every day and I yank on it with cords in it. So, uh, you know, this, this tape is used in a lot of different functions um, and electronics is kind of, you know, even though a lot of people might be used to using something like hot glue, um, which, you know, is very fast and easy, but of course, and 3M, you know, makes hot glue guns and, and hot glue uh, sticks, um, you know, good for quick bonding, but not very strong, peels very easily. Epoxy is okay, but, um, you know, it's very messy. Um, I've used epoxy a lot to, to bond different components together and uh, build, you know, you have the, the enclosure and then you have to have the PCB and a display and buttons and sensors. Um, I've used epoxy before. Epoxy is really good, but it's it's very messy to use, um, and it's very easy to mess it up if you don't mix well enough, uh, and you don't know. And it's like you know, two days later you check and it's it didn't harden. It's very annoying. Also, um, if you don't pick the exact right epoxy, it can crack off. Um, you do have to prime the surfaces really well, which is one of the nice things about the VHB tape is that you know you can do prep, but you can actually get away with uh, not a lot of prep. Um, another option is foam tape. We've used foam tape. Uh, this, this sort of stuff is, um, you know, often engineers see this on the back of breadboards is that white, uh, foam, um, kind of thick foam tapes, a couple of millimeters thick, and it's good for attachment, but it does eventually dry out. Um, and it's not meant for high temperature or cold temperature uses, whereas VHB tape, you know, this is much cheaper, but VHB tape, you saw it's used for automotive, for architectural, it's what, you know, it can be weatherproof and temperature hot and cold resistant, it doesn't dry out and, and crack off. Um, you know, so I checked out the VHB uh, design guide and they, you know, they talk about all the different variations and some use cases. Um, and, you know, one thing that I didn't realize is that uh, first off, there are some, there is some preparation steps you want to take to get the best bonding. And um, there are different varieties of VHB tape. So, um, you know, first up, to get, you can actually get like stronger than rated bonding if you do surface uh, cleaning. 
So for glass, for example, you want to use silane, and then for other materials, there's different solvents. They actually have in the design guide a list of all like you're using wood, or you're using metal, or you're using aluminum, or you're using glass. Here's what you do to surface prep. Um, next, you can abrade, and abrading, especially for smooth surfaces, will um, let the glue seep in a little bit better. It's not essential, but if you do it, um, you're going to get um, much better bonding grip at the end of the three-day um, uh, curing cycle. Priming, you know, is another thing I didn't realize. Like, you know, you you can prime it. Um, again, I think it's going to be for outdoor uses where you really want to have like the best bond possible. But you can actually kind of like skip these if you're just if your things are clean and you don't need it to um, stand up to you know to automotive or industrial use cases. And then finally, um, you can apply it. And uh, they do actually talk a little bit about automotive, but automatic application, like using robotics um, or laminators. And they have like fixed laminators, or you can do manually, right? You can actually just like by hand, cut a piece of tape, put it on, and then you do want to use a roller uh, to attach it. And, um, you know, you the, I think we covered like 3M rollers before. The, the, you want to roll it on with the one side of the adhesive and then you know let the acrylic glue seep in and then you can pull the red plastic cover off and then attach to the other side and then apply pressure again um so it looks like you need about 15 psi which is you know again a human can easily apply it and then another thing i noticed is that uh they mentioned you can heat up the bond um up to uh, 38c so just a little bit hotter than um room temperature like you definitely don't like maybe a, a light heat gun and uh, you'll also get much better uh bonding if you do that i guess the the heat activates the glue a lot better and then within 20 minutes i think you get 50 percent bond strength and 90 percent bond strength at 24 hours and after three days it's 100 percent um and yeah they do have tutorials on how to remove it but it's kind of not meant to be removable like once you glued on you're supposed to to keep it on um hot temperatures will make it bond better cold temperatures don't bond as well but you know you usually as long as you overspect the hold strength you need for the cold temperatures um you know just make sure that uh you have enough tape to hold your thing on even if it's you know gets down to like zero or negative 20 degrees c um okay so the i mentioned that there's families so there's more than one kind of vhb tape which i did not realize uh, so some of them have different adhesives on one or the other side. Um, some of them have thicker or thinner foam. You know, your shear strength is not going to be as good if you have a thick foam because the thick foam itself is not going to have a lot, you know, it's going to move back and forth. There are ones that are good for high temperature, low temperature, uh, general purpose, different colors. Um, they do have, uh, I thought this graphic was really handy. If you, if it's, it's in one of the um, design guides, they tell you, based on your the surface energy of your um, one of your substrates, you know, basically like, will the glue be able to seep into the uh, surface? That'll affect which kind of um, adhesive you want. Um, but the nine, you know, the 4950 is kind of the standard issue, kind of like everyone uses that. Um, and then on the bottom, it has which material. So if you're connecting, trying to attach something to silicone, right, which is, uh very low surface energy it's very hard to stick stuff to uh use the lse family you're probably gonna have to pay more if you're using um metal especially metal or glass that you can abrade lightly the 4951 uh, will do the good job so 
Um, and then of course primer will help. It's, you know, it seems if you have a, these, especially silicone, I'm kind of surprised you can even stick anything to it. It's uh, usually so inert. And they also have a, you know, more interactive selector uh, at the 3M site. If you just like Google 3M VHB, it'll take you to the selector and you can tell it what you want and what sizes. And of course you can get customized um, sizes and shapes if you need. So they come in reels normally and DigiKey stocks all the different reels. Um, I'll say that sometimes there's an image of a reel, but the image is like, it's a generic image. So look at the number. So for example, there's one, the top one is six inches by 18 yards. And the one below it is three quarters of an inch by 18 yards, but the image is the same. But obviously the six inch one is gonna be like way thicker. So way fatter, it's six inches wide. And you're gonna pay a little bit more for the wide ones too. Uh, you can also get sheets, uh, by the way, that you can die cut. Um, and they do mention that as, as one of the services that you can get. Um, you know, if you have an unusual shape and you want like curves and cutouts, um, you can buy it by the sheet, get a die cut, you know, it's going to be more expensive than just strip, um, but you'll get, you know, perfect shaped outlines. VHB tape. Available on DigiKey. We also have a video. Yes. DigiKey did this video and they say, do not try this at home. But every video I look, because I was like, oh, I want to find like a video about VHB tape. Every video is kind of the same. People just love sticking things you're not supposed to stick together. Um, and then doing a video. It's like, okay. here's something that makes things stick, but by the way, never do this. But we have to demonstrate it anyways. So uh, Lady Ada sent me this video and she's like, oh, here, get these two clips. So From the beginning and the end. And yeah. then in the middle, they have how to use the VHB yeah. tape. But let's just get to the so, fun part. So I smooshed it together. I glued it together. The VHB tape. Hi, and welcome to another Geek Moment. Today, we'd like to feature 3M's VHB, or Very High Bond, dual-sided adhesive products. We have a couple demos set up to show you some of its attributes, but remember, safety first. Now I'd like to show you just how easy it is to use VHB by assembling these two sheets of aluminum. First thing we need to do is clean both of them with a mixture of 50% isopropyl alcohol and 50% water, which can be found in most stores. Now that those are both prepped, we need to adhere our tape to both to this. We'll roll that pressure. Now our second chunk of VHB. that out. Now I just take the backing off here. Now we'll put the top plate on. Roll pressure on both pieces of VHB under there. Now we're complete. After 20 minutes, this will be 50% adhered. After one day, it'll be 90%. After three days, 100% adhesion. As I mentioned, VHB is great at handling dynamic loads. We decided to test it under a static load condition as well. While filming this portion of the video, I've been suspended by the plates I assembled earlier. The VHB has been enough to suspend my 250 pounds of body weight. Next time you need adhesives in your product, think of 3M's VHB. Thanks for watching.
Okay, and don't forget the code is CircPyDay. Let's roll right into new products later. That's right. This is a bracket for uh, the Leap Motion 2 um, uh, sensor that we uh, put in the store a couple weeks ago. If you want to mount it to something, okay, it's like 3D printed maybe, uh, this allows you to mount it to like your head so you can make it into like a VR goggles type thing, um, to your robot, what have you. It's just like a handy little uh, clippy adapter um, to take your uh, 3D um, sensor and uh, make it portable. Okay. Next up. Next up. Uh, these look a lot like our FSRs that we've been stocking for a long time, and they, they are kind of the same as the FSRs we've been stocking for a long time. These round force-sensitive resistors can detect pressure when you press the round part at the top. It's a uh, force-sensitive resistor. So the more you press it, uh, the lower the resistance is. Normally, the resistance is open, like there's no connection between the two contacts. Uh, you press it and uh, the resistance goes down, down, down. So you can use it to detect force. And the FSR that we've already stopped is up to, is like basically 0.1 to 10 newtons of force. And this one is 10 to 100 newtons. So it's 10 times less sensitive. So it's good for when you have high pressures. Like some people are using the other FSRs for um, detecting when people were walking, but you couldn't, you know, the force of, that somebody, uh, exerts with their heel when they walk was so high that it was kind of like blowing out the range of the other sensor. This one has 10 times as much range. It's not good for detecting soft presses, but very good for detecting stomps. Um, but it looks the same and works the same. You picked up as a resistor divider and then feed it into an analog digital converter to read the resistance. Next up. Uh, next up, we have a revision for the RA8875. Uh, people have been asking for uh, like almost a decade to, hey, can you please put a tri-state buffer on the output pin because that you can't share it with an, uh, other I screwed, other SPI devices on the same bus. Um, we finally had to revise this board uh, for other reasons. The backlight driver chip got discontinued. We're like, oh yeah, let's also update it. So um, what's cool about this chip is that it can do SPI to a 800 by 480 max TTL display. These displays are usually very hard to drive from microcontroller. You know, we were showing some off the ESP32-S3 is a, a rare micro that can actually drive those displays. Normally you need a microcomputer like a Raspberry Pi to do it. Um, but this way you can do it from a microcontroller. Um, it's not cheap, but uh, it has like built-in font and built-in shape. Creation, we've got Arduino and CircuitPython drivers for it. Um, and now uh, you know, it's been updated with this new backlight driver and uh, the SPI port can now be shared. Basically the same price, basic same functionality, um, electrical and mechanical, uh, just a little bit better and also an Adafruit Black. All right, the start of shifts an episode to you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers, our community is dun, dun, dun. it's the i spy beret for raspberry pi uh we had this in the shop and we finally finished the tester jig so if you want to add a uh, quick plug and play hardware to a raspberry pi i i actually made this mostly so i could test and debug mm. displays and you know e-inks and tfts and stem iqt connectors with a couple buttons but i was like oh yeah it can be handy it's very slim doesn't take up a lot of space. We'll work with any Raspberry Pi with a 2x20 connector. So your Pi 3, 2, uh, 0, 
whatever, your IO board with the uh, CM4 module. And it's got a couple of things. It's got two tactile buttons and one switch. So just good for like, you want to have a little bit of physical interface. There's also a STEM QT connector on the left that connects to the I squared C port. So you can plug and play all of our sensors very easily. So you add accelerometers or some OLEDs if you want, or um, you know, light sensors, temperature, motion, all that good stuff. Just plug and play a cable on. And then the iSpy connector in the middle is for connecting our displays. So many of our displays now have an iSpy port on them, which means you can use a cable, much like STEM IQT, but it's got a lot more pins so you can connect um, a display. So I've got a demo I can show off. This is um, you know, my Raspberry Pi 4, and then I've got the iSpy board. This is you know green because I keep the prototypes for myself. And this is one of our displays. If you look for the iSpy logo on the back, you know that you can use one of these plug cables. Uh, and then these cables come in various lengths. And then, you know, there's no soldering. There's no difficult wiring. You just plug it in here, plug it in there. And then, you know, this is a little GIF player demo we have um, that's written in uh, Python. So this is thematic. It's Python. Yeah, I made that on 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, I made it on 4th of July. I was like, you know what? But like, so, you know, whatever. Not too bad. Like, may, like, that was the demo, and now it's uh, about a month later. Yeah, yeah about a month that's later. So from, from, from one month of, you know, doing that demo to it's in the shop. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, very, very useful for you want to connect different displays. So good for any of our SPI displays up to 240 by 320, but also many of e-ink displays. Our e-ink displays have this connector as well. So uh, also, if you just happen to want um, to bring those pins out and then connect them to some other device for some reason, we have a breakout for this cable. So you can have it onto the breakout and then have the GPIO far away. So this is just makes for very tidy wiring, much nicer. Um, you can also, of course, have the kernel console show up here if you wanted like a um, terminal display or you wanted X to display on it. Very low resolution, but you could do it. Um, you know, a lot of people want to use our displays, but not necessarily have them mounted directly on the Raspberry Pi. They want them elsewhere. And this um, makes it very easy to do so. So you just mount it wherever you like. And that is new products for this week. Okay. Uh, don't forget the coupon, Cirque Pi Day. Um, post your questions up in Discord. Yeah. I have a few lined up, but we're going to do top secret now, and then we're going to bounce the questions. Let's go to what's secret in you? Okay, so we're going to play one, two videos, and then we're going to talk about a couple of them on the other side. Uh, okay. there, there, there's The top secret has even more top secret. Got even more secreter. It's a word now. Okay. Early data, what is this? I'm fixing a tester. I got notice from the test prep team that this tester wasn't passing. This should be beeping. And if you look at the test output, it says it couldn't find... The HT20, even though it finds the I squared C address, or so something's wrong with the the code, something changed in the chip, which happens once in a while. But what's neat is my driver uses uh, bus IO, which means that um, I have a layer for I squared C. If I want to debug what's going on, instead of like going to the driver and adding all these printfs and like I don't know hooking up stuff, I don't have to. I just recompile and upload. I just give it a second. Beep 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 beep. 
And then once it uploads, it gives me debug output. Let me scroll it. So on the serial port, it'll now tell me where it failed to send. So there's a new, there's a Calibrate command that is, um, if you look to the right here, it doesn't succeed in sending this I2C command. So this was kind of a secret command. Something must have changed in it. Um, so I'll probably just comment it out for now so that you can pass test and update the library and look at the documentation to see what's different. This happens with uh, sensors that don't have amazing documentation. Early data, what is this? These are my two ICN6211 DSI to TTL display breakouts. This is the Rev B. Even though it says A on it, ignore that, it's Rev B. DSI connector in, and then you've got the TFT display out. This is square. And this says TTL. It's because they're actually kind of two standards-ish for displays. So this is like your standard TTL display. You know, it always kind of looks like this with this little like uh, L-shaped uh, connector over here. But I got some other cool displays, and these all weird-shaped yeah. displays have a different 40-pin sta uh, um, standard. So this is a 2.1-inch uh, with capacitive, and you can see on the back, it's got like a bezel. This big one is a, um, so this is interesting. I have to back up a little bit. There's a 4-inch round, right, nice big 4-inch round. And then this is a half round. It's like a car gauge or something. Mm. Uh, this one doesn't have a touch, and this one does have touch. And then 4-inch um, square with touch, 4-inch uh, square without touch. Uh, I think this is 3.4 inch square with touch screen. You see the touch screen over here. And then these kind of funky bar displays. Um, mm. So like, I think these are 960 by 120 or 960 by 300 or so. Uh, this one has capacitive touch. You can see this one is the same size, but uh, without the capacitive touch. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And this one, and you're wondering like, wow, you know, this looks so familiar. What, what shape does this remind you of? Yeah, that's right. It's a five and a quarter inch Yeah, we're gonna floppy. do a project with that. Almost exactly the same size, same yeah. height. So uh, some cool, funky displays and uh, a big, okay. big stepper motor there. Yeah. So we're going to do it. It's coming. Yeah. Well, the other fun thing is you could um, have this the screen come out of the drive, too. So you, someone, uh, we thought of this, but then also someone mentioned this on the socials. They're like, oh, you could have the screen sticking out and show what floppy or anything. Yeah, we did that floppy disk, um, the 3D yeah. printed floppy disk, so, so we can make it for real. For all those screens, um, this is something we just showed off on. I just designed this today <laughs> while we were watching the, the stream. Hot off the press. Yeah, so what is this? So I have to, the thing about these displays is that you need to program them over SPI to configure them, and then you can do the TTL. And so there is a little bit of this like fast iteration that you need to do. Each display has slightly different, I'm sure it's slightly different configurations. Um, and so to test it out, oh, and or maybe have this as a product, um, the ESP32 S3 can drive these displays natively and then with a peripheral and then Jepler, um, I've tasked him to add it to CircuitPython. Um, so then I can use CircuitPython to quickly like program in the display and test the configurations um, and then draw onto it and then have it be a display. And then we'll also backport it to um, Arduino. It's just tough because there's not a lot of spare pin, you know, 16 color, um gpio and then four control pins and then two for the touch and then one for the irq and then the backlight adds up very quickly so i have a couple ideas maybe i can save a couple pins um i have the original dev the original dev board too i can show what this, sure what this looks like yeah, yeah this is um this is the official dev board 
from Espressif with the ESP32 S3, and then this is a square display. And then this um, plugs in. What I actually kind of like, the reason I got this dev board is I can actually, I might be able to use it, um, except for it uses a GPIO expander, which is kind of weird, but like this. So this is the uh, connector here. You see the capacitive touch bonded on like these. It's, this is all pin compatible uh, pretty much. And then um, this goes to this two by 20 connector um, that goes here. And this is your ESP32 S3, um, the TTL, uh, sorry, the TFT driver. There's I2S amplifier and microphone here. And I think this is the GPIO expander. So they use a GPIO expander to do the SPI programming. So it's a little complicated than I thought. I was kind of hoping that they would have just the pins available, but no. Um, so I'll figure out how to do that. Um, but this is a, you know, kind of a neat, uh, demo. What's nice is that I can still use this for hardware and I probably should support the TCA 955 as the, um, as the expander. So this is their touch, uh, touch demo, which is kind of nice. And then this is like a little, uh, NeoPixel selector here. You can select the color and then you can do the, uh, brightness. Brightness, bright, not so bright, bright, not so bright. Uh, and then there's this other configuration, and then you can. This is, I think, is LVGL. Yeah. It does um, there you go. Configuration, so you can set up the Wi-Fi. It has a clock, and it uses Wi-Fi to to get the time. Hey, that's the time. Um. Anyway, so that's the uh, that's some stuff. I just got this today, so I might get this programming um and then i'll order these pcbs this will be like without yeah. the expander very much easier i mentioned this before and, and not not gonna you know name and shame or anything but there's websites that sell all sorts of weird different displays and they just don't work and people get them and they're angry and um they don't they don't you know like we couldn't do that and we wouldn't do that so we wanted to what like why is it made for that brown displays we want to do it right um but last up uh let's talk about something wrong um, so this is a fun, <laughs> this is a fun board that, um, I think the folks who don't know why this is needed got unnecessarily angry because it's like, why are there two USB C's touching each other? It's like the mashed potatoes and the, you know, the touching. yeah, well, it's like, why, like, it's like on a plate, like, why are these two things touching? But, um, what is it, what is this and, and why does it freak people out to say it? Well. I mean, like, it's weird. You're not supposed to, you are not supposed to really do this, but um, this is to solve a problem that already exists. Uh, nobody called me out for my working for a dream joke. Uh, so this solves the problem of some devices. Someone, what? Someone did the gift that says, I understand the reference. Oh, okay. There's a gift for that. Oh, okay. I, like, who knows? Um, so the, the USB-C has these resistors that are on the CC lines. And you're supposed to have these 5.1K resistors that tell the power delivery, the the laptop or the power supply um, to give it five volts, one amp. And some devices don't look for the resistor. They just always put out five volts. And so there's no like configuration and they're like, hey, it's five volts out and you're happy. But um, some devices that we have don't have those resistors. And so when you plug them into a proper USB PD device, such as a MacBook or um, a Mac uh, power supply, 
or good quality, like this uh, USB um, power supply you have here. This is like a proper PV power supply. They don't, they, it just doesn't work. And you're like, is my cable bad? And it's like, no, they, people like save 0.004 cents. Congratulations. And then put the resistors on. But you you can't do anything about that. And the reason they didn't you notice it didn't work is because they used a USB A to C adapter. And inside that, you know, the the, the USB PD isn't used because it just gets five volts from the USB A, um, which doesn't have power delivery negotiation. And so this basically has the two USB connectors and everything's connected through except for the CC lines. The CC lines are brought out and connected to separate. 5.1k resistors and so each side is going to see as if there's like usb like 5.1 you know k resistors on it and so um you'll still need a cable but then if you put that in line it'll solve the problem of like why does it not work and i wanted to have one be a plug but i couldn't find any good surface mount like mechanically strong surface mount plug connectors like they all needed to be in a case yeah Anyways. So there, some folks got in an argument in like the YouTube comments. So I just turned off the comments on that particular video. That's funny. because they were they were being mean to each other. And then someone's like, "Well, it's Adafruit's fault. The USB C spec is is messed up." It's like, no, it's not. It, it, like, like it's really not. Um, so I just uh, people couldn't get along. So I they just turned. Wow, off. really? Like no, it was like a full on like hate thread. Well, like, were they they were they angry at the USB C spec? Yes. They're like, this shouldn't be needed, and it's like, if you know, if you, if 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 they would have the same, like, it just it went on and on. Right. Look, I mean, I agree that like they clearly wasn't things working. didn't work out. It didn't really work out, yeah. but um, you know, even the Nintendo Switch had them wrong the first way of the yeah. I think it's amazing how few things got it right the first time around. I think when people think about like USB-C and power cables and power supplies, it's because it's such an intimate thing. It's in their homes, and they're just reminded every day in some way that. It's like this my thing near my alarm clock doesn't work. It's like, uh, and they just want to blame someone. Anyways, um, yeah. that's our top secret of the week. Okay, we're gonna do some questions. I have some lined up. Um, I'll answer this one right away. Yeah, we absolutely were not consulted for the USB C sec uh, spec. Uh, you know, I actually think they should consult Lamore. <laughs> like, I think she'd actually be a good person. You to... know what's interesting? I'll tell you. Actually, every time we post about USB specifications, people lose their shit because remember we would post about the Minty Boost, yeah, with the resistor spec, and yeah. we were like, hey, there's a secret resistor uh, ladder that if you connect to the data lines, you can charge ipod iphone devices at 500 milliamps and everyone got so mad at me and i'm like look it's it's like under nda but i reverse engineered like you know yes. some griffin um like ipod charger thing and i was like oh this is the it was like 75k and 49k resistors and if you put those on the data lines it sets the charge rate because like pd yeah. usb-c pd didn't exist yet and I remember people were like so mad at me and they're like, you can't do that. And I'm like, I did not invent this system. I am only yeah. documenting we're, we're a the, thing that exists. We're the weirdo independent company, hacker, artist, manufacturers that like to have weird hardware. So we make weird hardware sometimes then that kind of solve a problem that someone else made. Anyways, here's some of the questions. Okay. Do you by chance know what the wooden box of GP's ambient sound machine is called? Uh, I didn't know, but then someone in the chat said it's built around the IKEA Mop, mop, moppy, moppy, M O P P E. Um, for the screens, which ones have touch? Um, it's a top secret. But we can I'll, yeah, I mean, like half. Most of them can come with touch. I got most some, can. 
with or without um the only one that did not come with touch and had no no possibility of coming with touch was the gauge that makes sense which makes sense because yeah. it's a car why gauge. would you why would you yeah. you wouldn't be touching a car gauge it's only for display the rest of them all could come with touch but i'll say that you know when you add capacitive touch it's like an extra couple bucks like it is not cheap uh resistive touch is basically free but capacitive touch is not but yeah. i think also this bar display didn't come with touch but um the round ones and the square ones did um yeah i'll get to the one question but someone mentioned um with these specs and stuff like ndas are normally in place and people can't talk about stuff and, and all that um a little maker biz thing so adafruit gets asked to sign ndas with chip manufacturers and people all the time and it turns out you can negotiate with those um i think one not too long ago example was arduino was sending out the new uh uno r4 and they sent out their they got funded by uh renaissance a bigger company so i think they had like a a uh and the, the chips on there they had an nda that went along with it if you wanted to just get it and it was going to be released anyways so i just sent back an edit i'm like hey sometimes the time period on these things don't make sense it'll say like seven years or ten years and i know it doesn't really matter but like it kind of does like we should be realistic we're never gonna uh have something in technology seven years like seven years is such a long period away so what's happened um that's like three pandemics yeah, now yeah so what's happened is um usually when i write back and i'm like hey like here's our standard nda or it's very limited it's just like hey like we're working on this you say it's going to be released in a month so that's as as long as we're going to you know deal with making sure that nothing you know leaks out or like whatever generally we don't have to do ndas because we do open source and everything but when we do we ask for an edit and so far it's worked out they're just like okay you're right like the lawyers on the other side are like oh yeah we've had this for 10 years like, oh, you're right anyways um maybe this is the last question and we'll see uh question regarding the fake deep sleep connected to serial how do i prevent value error no i squared c device at address zero x five two only happens when updating code between time underscore alarm sleep could be a bug it could be also that your device got depowered and repowered and it takes a few seconds for it to show up on the i squared c bus so add a couple delays um and you know take a look at your sda and scl lines make sure that they're not getting pulled low like maybe in your sleep you're pu pulling those pins low and you're you're confusing the i squared c device um that would that's kind of the only thing that would that should cause it and there's gonna be a bug in circuit python you can post and help with circuit python and maybe somebody has uh has some suggestions okay and those are our questions for tonight. Thank Yay. you so much, everybody, for uh, joining us. Um, don't forget to code. Circuit today. Thank Sir. you. Circuit. Um, thank you, everyone, for a fantastic Circuit Python Day 2023. We will be doing another one next year in August. Uh, we'll try to find the snakiest numbers. We like to have like the 18th. I think it's like the third Friday or something. It's usually eight or 18. Yeah, yeah we like to have snaky eight. numbers. Well, I think eight, eight was the first one. Yeah. Um, this has been an Adafruit production. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see everybody next week. Here is your moment of Zener. Bye, everybody. Have a great night.